All right, well, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And if we count back 50 days from today, we count, we count back to Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday is seven weeks, and then the next day after uh, Pentecost Sunday is, is seven weeks in one day, or 50 days uh, after, after Resurrection Sunday, or Easter Sunday. Um, <clears throat> so I just want to look briefly at the, at the Feast of Pentecost this morning, the Feast of Pentecost this morning. And Pentecost, the word Pentecost, in fact, pente, it means 50 in Greek. It's the Greek word for 50. And so from, as I mentioned, from Easter Sunday to, or Resurrection Sunday to Today, or full, um, Pentecost Sunday, is 50 days. And I want to look first at the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Pentecost in the Old Testament. And the Hebrew word for Pentecost is Shavuot. 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 So we try it together. Shavuot. Again? Shavuot. Shavuot, okay. Now, in Leviticus 23, we find there the seven feasts of the Lord, and three of them go together in the first month, the Feast of Passover, as we mentioned, and Communion, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the Feast of First Fruits, the first Feast of First Fruits. And then there's a, there's a gap, there's a gap from First Fruits which, and so they're all in the, in the first month of the, the religious calendar of the Hebrews. And then there's a gap of 50 days, which brings us through to the third month. And there's the second major feast of Pentecost, which is today. And, these, and then there's a gap after Pentecost. Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost itself, it just lasts, it lasts for one day but it's 50 days after the previous one of the sheaf of the first fruits, which speaks of water baptism. It also speaks of resurrection. And so then there's a gap of four more months till the seventh month. And the seventh month is the month when the, the final remaining feasts are, are celebrated. So there's three that are celebrated in the first month, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, then there's 50 days, we come to the third month, and that's the Feast of Pentecost, Shavuot. And then there's a, we go to the, the seventh month, and in the seventh month, there is the, on the first day of the month, which is the first day of the civil year, and they blow the trumpets, and like the new year, and they, that's the, the seventh month in the religious calendar, is the blowing of trumpets. And then 10 days after that, also on the seventh month is the Day of Atonement, uh, Feast of Day of Atonement, and then finally the greatest feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, from the 15th to the 21st day of the seventh month. And so Pentecost, which, you know, is, which is celebrated all over the world today, um, is, is to commemorate... Just, just as Passover was to commemorate the, 
killing of the Passover lamb when the children of Israel left Egypt and began their journey into the wilderness and then into the, their inheritance in the promised land. Um, um, and in the same way, Pentecost, Pentecost was, was celebrated in the, it was celebrated um, 50 days after the Feast of uh, First Fruits. And the fulfillment of Passover was when Jesus died. And the fulfillment of Pentecost is, as we know, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4. And then those final three feasts, the feast, the feast of, of trumpets, the Feast of Day of Atonement on the 10th day of the seventh month, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, which lasted seven days during the seventh month also, from the 15th to the 20, 21st day. So of the, the seven feasts that are mentioned in Leviticus 23, there's just there's basically three feasts which are like the key ones, the, the, the most important ones, and they are Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And it was, was on that time that all the males had to come to Jerusalem. Each male, of course, represented his wife and his children, so it represented the family. And the males on the three major feasts, Passover, Pen Pentecost, Tabernacles, they would have to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the, the feast in Jerusalem. And they were not to come empty. They were to come with a gift. They were to come with an offering, offering to the Lord, a gift unto, unto the Lord. And they were to come with a gift. They were not to come empty. And it's, it's interesting that the, the, major, the major harvest, there were, there, were th there were like during the year, there were, there were th actually there were, at least three harvests, but coinciding with those th first three feasts in the first month, Feast of Pentecost in the third month, and then the major harvest came at the, on the seventh month. And so in, that, in, in, in the first month of Pentecost, of, in the first month of Passover, it was a harvest of the barley. And the barley was like the poor man's food. Um, but then... In the third month, when Pentecost came, it was getting towards the end of the barley harvest, and the wheat harvest was, was coming in. So it was the beginning of the wheat harvest. And the wheat harvest was a harvest which was very special, which was very prized, very important. And, but, but even with those two harvests, still, the main harvest was not in the first month, was not in the third month, but it was in the seventh month. And they celebrated that in the Feast of Tabernacles. And, that was, and that's why Feast of Tabernacles is also called in-gathering. They, in, they gathered in uh, the, the great harvest of the year, the, the harvest of the olives, the harvest of the grapes, the harvest of the pomegranates, the figs, all the summer fruits. That was the, that was the big event of the year. The big harvest of the year was celebrated at uh, Tabernacles. And of course, Tabernacles... You know, the first two, Passover, Pentecost, they've both been fulfilled. Passover, when Jesus died on the cross, Pentecost was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, ushering in the church age, and then the Feast of Tabernacles that speaks to us of, you know, revival in the last days. Um, it'll be for Jerusalem, for Israel, it'll be entering in the millennium, but for the church... 
It will be you know, tremendous revival, outpouring of the Spirit in the last days, and of course the gathering in of the harvest. Now, Pentecost is, is very relevant, very important for us today, and because it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do what the Lord has called us to do. And that's why we need fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We need relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to know the, the you know, a literal you know, communion with the Holy Spirit you know, and, and pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you know, I can't, I can't live this Christian life by myself. Holy Spirit, I can't have victory over sin in my own life, in my own power. Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I depend on you. Holy Spirit, I, I, I ask you to help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to be bold. Help me to be courageous. I worship you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. And seek to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, not just with the Father and with the Son, but with the precious you know, Holy Spirit himself. And you know, so many people have the wrong idea that the Holy Spirit is some kind of a force or some kind of power or some kind of electricity or something like that. But no, he, he is a person. And as a person, and he's a member of the Godhead. And because he's a member of the Godhead, we can worship him and love him and call upon him and ask him to, you know, acknowledge our dependence upon him and ask him to help us. So those three feasts, when, they, when, the, when all the males came to Jerusalem, they could not come empty-handed. They did not come empty-handed. They came with an offering. They came with an offering. And they came to Jerusalem with an offering, and they bought that, bought that offering. And in chapter 23, and chapter 23 and verses 15, chapter 23, 15, now it tells us there, and you shall count after the morrow, uh, you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you bought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. In other words, you, you were to count seven Sabbaths, you know, each from Sabbath to Sabbath is seven days, so that's 49 days, and then and then the next feast, it says, you shall count from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be complete, even unto the morrow after, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath. So in other words, seven Sabbaths, seven sevens are 49, 49 days. And then the morrow or the next day, you get 49 plus one, you get 50 days. And you number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Actually, in the King James, it's, it's, it says meat, meat offering. It's not a good translation. It's best to be a meal, meal offering, or some of the modern translations, they put it as a, as a grain, a grain offering. So it was a grain offering. There was no, no actual meat involved in it, even though in the King James it mentions the, the meat, meat offering. And... And you shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. You shall bring it out of your habitations. And so this one-day feast was celebrated by the children of Israel about the, 
about the sixth day of the third month of the Jewish year. And this feast foretells in type the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the formation of the church. And the feast of Pentecost is also called, in script, is, it's also named Exodus, in Exodus 23, 16, that feast of Pentecost is also called the feast of harvest. And it's referring to the harvest that took place when that feast took place, which was the, the, the wheat harvest at that time. And another name for the, for the feast of Pentecost is it's called the feast of weeks. Feast, and we've seen that there, the, the, the seven, seven weeks after the, the sheaf of the first fruit is waved. So the feast of Pentecost is also known as the feast of harvest, it's also known as the Feast of Weeks. And it was celebrated you know, near the end of the barley harvest and towards the beginning of the wheat harvest. But as I mentioned, the main harvest was four months later at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And in verse 16, Leviticus 23 and verse 16, it speaks about these 50 days and it said, at the end of that, you shall offer a new meal offering or grain offering unto the Lord. All right, so that's, on the, at, that's at the time of the Feast of Pentecost. And you shall bring two wave loaves of two-tenths steel. Two wave loaves of two-tenths steel. So to the new meal offering unto the Lord. So there's a, there's a distinct difference between the offering on the day of Pentecost and the meal offering, the meal offering which is in Leviticus chapter 2, which speaks of, you know, the burnt offering is, you know, our, our consecration to the Lord, and the meal offering or the grain offering is, speaks of the second commandment, you know, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And... There is a distinct difference between the meal offering in Leviticus 2 and the one that is being offered um, in accordance with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the one which is mentioned here in verse 16. So in, verse, in, verse, in, Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter 2, this offering is a voluntary offering Whereas the offering on the day of Pentecost is not a voluntary offering, it's a command. They're commanded, and they're told to, to, to you, you shall offer. In other words, it's a command, this new grain offering unto the Lord. And in the offering in Leviticus chapter 2, the meal offering, the grain offering, there, no, there was no leaven allowed. They weren't allowed any, any leaven was not, to, was, was not allowed. Whereas at the day of Pentecost, on the Feast of Pentecost, in verse 17, it says, And ye shall bring out your habitations two wave loaves, and two tenths steels, they shall be fine flour, they shall be baked with leaven. And notice that baked, the Feast of Pentecost, it says, to be baked with leaven. To be baked with leaven. And that little phrase in verse 17 Baked with leaven. Baked with leaven. And we just saw at communion this morning that leaven 
was a type of sin, it was a type of false doctrine, it was a type of false doctrine, it was a type of sin, it was a type of hypocrisy. And so, you know, I was a bit astounded at first when I saw leaven as in the Feast of Pentecost. But the answer, or or the, the reason, is that just because somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit and and that may happen maybe one or two days, that could happen one or two days after they get saved. Some, in some cases, it even happens at salvation when someone gets, gets saved. But obviously, a young Christian like that, they're, they're no way holy or no way purified and cleansed and everything else. So basically, you know, many people think, well, when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've arrived. That's the ultimate. Well... That's not the case at all. That's just, that's just part of the foundation. That is just the beginning. You know, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need tongues uh, in order to go on. But it's making it clear that in this offering, there was leaven, which represents sin. And so... In the scriptures we've looked at already this morning, we see leaven speaks of hypocrisy, false doctrine, and sin. And since Pentecost spiritually represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the initial sign of speaking in tongues, its, its meal offering has to reveal that the Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. And in the last days, it, it prophesies, Joel, the prophet, he, in the last days, he, he says, in the last, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's not just the flesh that's been sanctified and purified, but it'll be upon Muslim flesh, upon Hindu flesh, upon Catholic flesh, upon all flesh, upon heathen flesh, the spirit of God will be poured out. Not just something on those, not just something to be poured out on those who are, who are, who are holy and who are set apart and who are sanctified. So it's clear to understand that the baptism of the Spirit is, is definitely not synonymous with holiness, for a person can be a very carnal Christian, and also sometimes God will baptize them with the Holy Spirit. However, having said that, yet it is one of the, in, our, in our goal for holiness, in our quest for holiness, in our aim for holiness, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to, to help us and to aid us to go on for, to, you know, to, to holiness and to purity. So the root nature of sin, that's, that's, that's dealt with, especially in, the, in, the, in the, the sixth feast of the Lord, the Day of Atonement, which is also in the seventh month. And... Uh, you know, we, we do not become holy and the moment we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the moment we begin to speak in tongues, but as we, we all, most of us anyway, are, are very aware, it takes a, a deep work of the Spirit of God in our lives over a, over a period of time to purify us from sin and to, to make us holy. And in verse 17, it also said about the Feast of Pentecost, there were two wave loaves. And so it's speaking there of you know, both the Gentiles and the Jews becoming one, and both of them having access to the Father in Ephesians 2 verse 18. 
And, and these two loaves, it says also in verse 17, that they had two tenths deals. And that speaks about the double portion of the Spirit. The double portion of the Spirit that's poured out upon the church. And in Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, 23, we are called the church of the firstborn. And it's the firstborn, the firstborn male, which has the double portion. And then in verse 18, there were seven lambs. And they symbolize the, you know, the blessing was purchased by the completed sacrifice of our Lord Jesus on Calvary. And it was the promise of the Father. And Jesus, just before he ascended up, he, he said, you know, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And so we see there the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit is we should receive power from on high. And I believe God wants us to enter in just in a fresh way, in a new way, you know, into God's power in our lives. Not just power for miracles, but power, you know, power to power over sin, power to be an overcomer, power to, to endure and persevere. And, you know, we need it. We need the power. And one of the main things that the Feast of Pentecost is associated with is power. And from the words of Jesus, you shall receive power. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Judea, where you are. Um, Jerusalem, where you are. Judea, the surrounding area. Samaria, that was the nearest heathen. And then to the uttermost parts of the world. To the uttermost parts of the world. And so... Jesus commanded them to wait till they receive that, that, that power from, from on high, that power from on high. And really the experience of the baptism of the Spirit is, is not just sort of a one-time experience, but we need to flow in the experience of being filled with the Spirit, you know, day by day, week by week. And, you know, sometimes we, we have a boost for a while and we pray in tongues and we get all fired up and... And it sort of dies down. And maybe get fired up a bit more. But God wants us to have a consistent, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, day by day. Day after day after day. And, you know, not just to have it for a time and then lose it. And obviously there's the initial experience when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But for all of us, really, the most important thing is... Are we filled with the Holy Spirit day by day? Are we living in the experience of the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And that's why, you know, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, and in chapter, uh, they, were, they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. They're a Pentecostal church. And many years afterwards, Paul is writing to them. And he, and he says in Ephesians 5, 18, he, he t gives the command, don't be drunk with wine. There was a problem even in that area, even in that Pentecostal church. But then he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. Keep on. Keep on day after day after day. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 19, he gives some keys to doing that. Verse, verse 19, Ephesians 5, 19. And... 
there the Apostle Paul says, speaking to yourselves, we can speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And it's just a key. It's just, you know, singing unto the Lord, worshipping the Lord, <coughs> you know, ministering to the Lord with, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our being. On the day of Pentecost, They were, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 1, which is the fulfillment of the Old Testament feast of Pentecost, and in chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, in other words, it wasn't a, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the New Testament, in the upper room, it was not just on any day. It was on that exact day, it was in the third month, on the exact day in the third month when the feast, the Old Testament feast of Pentecost was celebrated. And because of that, many Jews from surrounding nations had left their nations and had come to Jerusalem. And they, the, the 120, they were with one accord in one place. Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke to 500 people in one occasion after being risen from the dead. We don't know what happened to the rest, but there were only 120 that turned up. And during those 10 days they were there, they had come into tremendous unity before there was great division. And they'd come, it says, one accord. They were with one accord. And then we have one of the suddenly, suddenlies of God. And suddenly, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Pastor Stephen preached on that a few weeks ago. Suddenly, suddenly, God shows up. Suddenly, God comes. We need to expect the suddenlies in our life. Suddenly, a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were singing, sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and it sat upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But those same people who were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, those same people, we, we see in Acts chapter 4, this is possibly a few months later, and they were at a prayer meeting together, and the power of God at the prayer meeting was so, was, was you know, the house was shaken. And I must say that when... One of the things at the seminars in Ethiopia, sometimes I'd, I'd preach for a little bit and then, then Pastor Zeman would just stop everyone and then get them all to pray that what I'd been talking about would be worked out into their lives. And, and, uh, and, and when they prayed, when everybody, when they prayed, when those students prayed, uh, you know, everybody prayed and everybody prayed, they were praying out loud at the top of their voices and, um, you know, in, uh, in their own language, I guess. And, uh, you know, they were, really, they were really stirred up and really, you know, crying, crying out to God. And there was, you know, it was just such, a, such an intenseness, such a, such a passion, you know, in, in their prayer. And uh, anyway, getting back to, to, to Acts chapter 4, they were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That was the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost. But yet in chapter 29... It says, 
They were praying and they prayed on the early church, again with such intensity and passion that, you know, the, it says there, when they began to pray, the place where they were in, was that, it was literally the building that they were in. It was such a passion, such a fervency in prayer that the building which they were actually in was actually shaken, it says in verse 31. And, and it says and also in verse 31, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of those same people have been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And here it says, and again, they're all filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. So as we close this morning, let's, let's just pray that God, would, let's just, that God would just give us, you know, just a, a fresh, fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to have an altar call, but... But if we, I just ask Pastor Stephen to come and let's just sing that chorus we were singing before about the Holy Spirit and, and let's just have a short time of, of, of singing in the Spirit together. And I encourage you, after we, after we just sing this, we'll just sing this uh, song about the Holy Spirit, we'll sing it maybe once or twice, and then we'll go into a time of open worship. Now, in the time of open worship, we can, we can express our worship in different ways. We can sing, I love you, Jesus, I praise you, Lord, in, in our language, in English, or we can sing in the Spirit. We can sing in other tongues. But I encourage you this morning, as Pastor Stephen leads us, let's just let's sing, it, sing the song in English and then begin to, to worship the Lord, but this time we'll be singing, begin to sing in tongues. Not in English, but in tongues and just magnify the Lord. And it's Pentecost Sunday today and let's pray that God will just touch us and give us. We all need, I need it. We need a fresh infilling of the, the Holy Spirit, a fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again that we can, so we can fulfill you know, God's call, God's plan upon our lives. Amen. Pass the seat.